This is About Space, America's Return to Space, with news and information on our U.S. space program. From our About Space Today World Headquarters, I'm John Gomez. NASA has delayed Artemis 2 and 3, the Peregrine Lander might be in trouble, and India's solar orbiter reaches Lagrange 1. You'll hear about this and more next as America and the world are listening to About Space Today. D&D Cruise and Tours is the official agent for About Space and we invite you to come fly away to all-inclusive resort island destinations or a cruise vacation from Port Canaveral and even visit the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex or just come and see the parks. Call for a discount cruise or an island getaway or the Florida beaches. Call today. The call is free and so are our services. Call 877-747-8631. That's 877-747-8631. We are Florida's group travel specialists. So what I want to tell you is we are adjusting our schedule to target Artemis II for September of 2025 and September of 2026 for Artemis III, which will send humans for the first time to the lunar south pole. Artemis IV remains on track for September 2028. Welcome back. That was NASA Administrator Bill Nelson announcing on a media teleconference call on January 9th that the Artemis II and three missions were delayed until 2025 and 2026, respectively. One of the issues mentioned in the call by Deputy Associate Administrator Moon to Mars Program Amit Shutria dealt with the Orion spacecraft's heat shielding and what NASA is doing to overcome the issue. We did see the off, the off nominal recession of some char that came off the, off the heat shield, which we were not expecting. Now this heat shield is an ablated material. It is supposed to char, but what it's not, what we were not expecting were some pieces of that char to be liberated from the vehicle. And so we need to make sure we understand the transport and debris transport phenomena that, that caused that. We have an extensive investigation into the root cause of that issue and it's going very, very well. We have great support from all our industry partners as well as our, our partners across the government. Shutria then detailed another major issue that was discovered in their data analysis of the Artemis I mission. One of the major ones has to do with the life support system. Uh, during the acceptance of some components for Artemis III, we noticed a failure in some motor valve circuitry that's driving valves on the, on the, on the, on the spacecraft itself. The third issue discussed on the call involves the abort system used by Orion to pull away from the Space Launch System rocket in case of an emergency during launch. There is some concern that while Orion has been qualified to survive this environment, some of its batteries might be damaged. As NASA works to resolve these issues, the new schedule will no doubt impact the Artemis II crew. Associate Administrator Jim Lee explained what they will be doing. You heard the administrator talk about our crew. They are incredible, and they've been busy 
learning about the systems and subsystems they'll be flying, and they and other astronauts across the crew office can continue to monitor the design, production, and assembly of all the hardware, giving inv invaluable input from the operator perspective. The crew is a, a constant reminder for us of how important it is to remain focused on the work we need to do to ensure their safe return. While there is disappointment with the rescheduling of these historic missions, it is Artemis III that many civilians, like myself, are looking forward to, landing on the moon. Lee talked about the impact of these issues on the Artemis III mission. And for Artemis III, we, we must be realistic there as well. We're looking at our Starship progress, the need for propellant transfer, the need for numerous landings. We're looking at our spacesuits that we're acquiring in a different manner that we've done before and, and developing the new spacesuits as well. Disappointment aside, the theme of the call was safety, something Administrator Nelson and Associate Administrator Lee push for in every aspect of every mission. But I want to emphasize that safety is our number one priority. You, you heard it from the Administrator today, you've heard it multiple times. And as we prepare to send our friends and colleagues on this mission, we're committed to launching as safely as possible and we will launch when we're ready. Stay with About Space Today News for more updates on the Artemis program. Status check. Go Vulcan. Go Centaur. Go Peregrine. Four, three, we have ignition. And liftoff of the first United Launch Alliance Vulcan rocket, launching a new era in spaceflight to the moon and beyond. That's United Launch Alliance's long-delayed Vulcan Centaur rocket, which officially launched on January 8th at 2.18 a.m. Eastern Time. The rocket launched without issue, but later in the day, Astrobotic reported that its Peregrine moon lander had encountered an anomaly on its way to the moon that prevented it from orienting itself correctly. Astrobotic released a statement on X, formerly Twitter, on January 9th, saying that because the lander started tilting away from the sun, reducing its solar power generation, and because of the propellant leak the lander sustained, that a soft landing on the moon would not be possible. The team is working to extend Peregrine's operational life, as the spacecraft has about 40 hours worth of propellant left. Aside from not being able to land on the moon, the spacecraft was taking a unique payload with it. DHL's moon box featuring a rock from the top of Mount Everest, a tiny time capsule from Belgium, a physical Dogecoin, a collection of Reddit posts, and a letter from a private astronaut who followed his father into space were going to be sent to the moon. DHL didn't provide us a tracking number, but we imagine the status shows damaged in transit. Now for some good news. India's Aditya L1 mission, the country's first solar observation mission, launched in September of 2023 and has finally reached its designated halo orbit at Lagrange Point 1, about 1.5 million kilometers from Earth. The orbiter will study coronal mass ejections, or CMEs, plasma bursts that are so powerful they can reach the Earth and potentially disrupt the operation of satellites. The mission also aims to shed light on the dynamics of several other solar phenomena by Im imaging and measuring particles in the Sun's upper atmosphere. Former ISS Commander Chris Hadfield spoke about India's place in the space race of the 21st century and the importance of PM Narendra Modi's oversight in their space program. 
And India is in a really strong leveraged position to do that. And I think Prime Minister Modi has seen that for several years. You know, he is very much directly involved with the Indian Space and Research Organization, with Israel. You know, he he he's not just watching them do what they're do- doing. He's He's very closely monitoring, but also involved in their conversations because it is national policy. It It is pushing the wedge of technology forward so that all of those other businesses can be in behind that wedge, uh, taking advantage of, of all of the commerce that comes from satellites around the Earth, but also the Earth-Moon economic system that is just starting to get going down in history and then everything that lies beyond that. The Indian Space Research Organization, or ISRO, has a joint mission planned with Japan to send another probe to the moon by 2025 and an orbital mission to Venus within the next two years. Make sure you check out our Facebook page, AboutSpace.today, for launches and landings, and invite your family and friends to listen weekly. Be sure to join us starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, January 17th, for live coverage of the launch of Axiom 3 with David Denault and Don Meyer. To all of our listeners around the world and here in the U.S., thanks for joining me. I'm John Gomez, and this has been About Space Today.